Hi, you're listening to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively brings insights from the Indian space activities ecosystem. I'm your host Narayan, the co-founder of India's first space-focused think tank, Spaceport Sarabhai. Guests on the New Space India podcast help you understand space activities related macro and micro trends within India in all aspects including space history, local industry, space science, technology evolution, law and policy, art and more. The New Space India podcast is supported by Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to enable sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium scale enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellites. Hi and welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. Today here we have Rohan Verma who is the CEO of Bapma India. I briefly met Rohan in Delhi where we had some exchange at the defense symposium just earlier in the month of February. Rohan, welcome to the show. Thanks for spending time with me in talking about Bapma India. It's one of the exciting companies of India and it's been I think the things that you guys have achieved are benchmark for many companies to look up to. Thanks a lot Narayan yeah I was really happy to hear your talk and see your talk at that event I was quite impressed and happy to be on your show Great so I just looked up Map My India just before recording this episode and it's a very interesting company obviously it started at a time when a whole bunch of companies like probably Infotech Enterprises and others in that space were starting out when it come to digitization of a lot of the things that are around i know that your parents are the ones who started the company and then and how can you describe a little bit about what probably was the ecosystem back then and what was the driver to begin such a company because uh, yeah there are a few companies like probably infotech enterprises wipro and a few others that are in that cohort of companies that started around the same time hmm Yeah so the driver for my parents to start the company was that they wanted to do something unique for India they had been in the US pretty successful careers at IBM and General Motors were they were there for 10 12 years but they always wanted to come back so in the early 90s they moved back when most people were moving to the US and they hit upon this software in the US which could show digital maps and help businesses do location intelligence or location analytics using that for example fmcg companies could see where sales are happening where sales are not and they could see that on a nice us map or digitally which they could zoom pan and query and so they felt that something like that could be super useful for india also and in fact my father used to say at conferences which people found pretty crazy then was that someday 80% of all data would have a location component to it and that there could be infinite benefits that could come from digital maps and location software but at that time when they started to look for digital maps in india to marry with that software they found that night even the survey of india or the government of india didn't have digital maps and definitely nobody in the private sector had so that's when they hit upon this idea that why can't we create a digital map data product to cover the entire country 3.3 million square kilometers that will be a fairly unique national asset it'll take a long time to build they could foresee it would take at least 10 years to build 
but it'll be fairly unique and fairly valuable. So in 1995, you know, when actually prior to that, they had been running the company for three, four years. They were the third fastest growing software services company in India based on IBM mainframe, etc. that DataQuest magazine had said. But product was in their heart and DNA. And that's the journey they set out upon, which was the 95 to 2004 time frame walking and driving millions of square millions of kilometers across the country collecting data from the field about addresses about roads geotagging that and creating this fairly detailed digital map data product which could become licensable all on top of which software could be built so that solutions could be provided apis could be given so i'd say fairly visionary and yeah and fairly crazy because It's not like the commercialized monetization market had opened up in a big way, but a huge amount of intellectual property they were building in those first first 10 years. And one of the interesting bits of this is that 1995 is probably pre-internet era in India to a large extent, and also probably pre-large-scale adoption of even personal computing. I think probably everything is slightly delayed in India when it came to uh, this kind of adoption, right? What made them think probably that this would be the better timing? Because obviously timing is the key for many companies to succeed. Because at the end, when it comes to digitalization and digital maps and all of these things, there are technologies that need convergence, right? You need probably devices that people can use as end users. You need devices in in between, in the midstream for them to have that throughput of the data come through and so on. Do you briefly know what kind of environment there was or where you see that inflection point you know, for adoption? Yeah, you're absolutely right. See, when they were trying to create the digital maps in 1995 onwards, like you said, there was no internet really. And also it was very early days for satellite imagery. And, and GPS also wasn't particularly popular. They would actually walk walk the roads. But what had started to come was like mainframes and then computers on top of that. They had these digital tracing machines where they could digitize on top of paper maps. They could create in the software data. But then they would, I remember they got some Iconos imagery or even satellite imagery from ISRO where they would use that to digitize and create very detailed maps of Bombay. Then they started to use GPS devices to collect information by walking or by driving the car and collecting the traces. It was very early days of, and delivery mechanism for customers to benefit was a desktop environment running. But 2004 is when the internet started to become quite popular in India post 2000. And so that's when we created the mapmedia.com internet mapping platform because the whole idea was to democratize access, create APIs, create online portal so that anybody anywhere could access these digital maps, see their village on a map, get directions from point A to B, search for places nearby, do visualization and analytics on the internet. So yeah, it was early days. And like you said, this convergence needed to happen for increased accessibility. 
the history again of the company is very interesting with a lot of uh, enterprise customers looking at this kind of data uh, especially i was reading up on coca cola and for a few other companies trying to use this how what was the environment back then was the enterprise customers that are out there really struggling at knowing what is what in the country in itself because there was really nothing available for them in one form or the other or how because obviously i think the solutions also need to be created very quickly for these enterprises to adopt them and then roll with them so can you describe a little bit of what was today obviously everything is really nice even an amazon guy comes to your house exactly stands in front of it and gives you the box but i'm sure when you start out especially building this is at a scale at which you are doing it now which is 3.3 million square kilometers it's not a easy thing to do yeah no it was relatively rudimentary but still revolutionary cutting edge for that time like coca cola for example had just entered india and they had bought thumbs up re-entered india's market and they had bought the local company thumbs up so sitting in atlanta the corporate headquarters didn't have a sense of what territories each bottlers had and so they wanted to be able to visualize and hence digital maps there the india's geography and which parts are covered by which bottler are there any overlaps in territories are there any gaps and for that they contracted mapendia they licensed our product solutions etc and so those were the use cases early times of course when telecom companies had to set up telecom towers it was like a at that time 5 crore rupee investment which is significant to set up a tower and they wanted to make sure that they're setting up towers most efficiently to cover the maximum population for that also they needed digital maps and gis solutions which we were doing so you know today of course we are, we talk about sub meter accuracy 3d digital map twins or 4d maps what we are talking like you said we are talking about indoor maps you know detailed imagery it was rudimentary relatively then but it was a paradigm shift from the way paper way that they were operating or blind way they were operating customers and that's what was so exciting about the early days of mapma india with this digital map and technology right and again an interesting thought process here is today you have a whole lot of things that have come together right you have probably stuff like iot you have many other end user devices that are coming up you have navic that is coming up and so on so although the period of time is about whatever about 30 years now the scale at which activity has picked up is really exponential in one form or the other but back then obviously i think there would be a lot of constraints that are not today around even for example access to even capital to be able to invest in building out or even employing people and rolling this out is all i'm sure that would be a massive challenge how did the company really go through this phase of very early days to then having enough capital to be able to build up all of these resources was it that i mean i know that you guys then eventually raised venture capital in 2007 or so but how what was the journey when it came to be able to invest into this company for the first 10 12 years great question and there's a harvard business review case study written on my parents and early days of mapa india called the customer funded business model early days there was no capital as you said 
but there was capital available from customers who needed a solution and were willing to pay for that. And my parents looked for those customers. And in the early 90s also, getting a 50 lakh rupee project was highly profitable, but you had to deliver something significant. So they worked hard on creating value for customers and asking customers for money, which they would plow back into creating and funding the product development because they were building a product. It wasn't just a services business. In many ways, they lived highly frugally. They operated highly frugally, but they reinvested whatever profits they were generating back into product development. And they were seeking customers out all the time. And what that also did is it kept validating and enhancing the product continuously as opposed to building a product in vacuum because they could find a use case, make sure their product meets that use case. Somebody is testing it. It's somebody's mission critical operation and they would keep enhancing it for. And that has held Mapmania in good stead now where our product is so comprehensive and it serves so many what we call infinite use cases. That for us, we are continuously just unlocking new and new addressable markets for ourselves because we've served over the course of history more than 2,000 enterprise customers with frankly many different use cases. Back to the point that early days customer-funded business model in is just the most sound way to grow the company. But of course, 2007, when we launched our MapMania Navigator GPS navigation device, we saw the market had become quite hot in the sense that relative to 1995 or early 2000s, the market had become hot for our type of things, this GPS navigation, etc. And to give the fillip to the business, my father felt that we must raise capital, otherwise the market will be there, but we'll not be able to service it. And then, of course, being a relatively unique company, we got the best of VCs. To, to put in money. But I think that DNA of operating profitably, frugally, being intellectual property heavy. So what we say, you know, capital efficient, money capital efficient, but be willing to be time capital and intellectual capital heavy. That's our strategy or has been for last 30 years and continues to be. So just to give you some number, over the course of Mapania's history, we have raised 124 crore rupees. But we have generated a company, at least post-IPO, our peak, we touched a market cap of 10,000 crore rupees. So that's about a 70x return on capital if in one way, one stat one can look at. And just our own internal cash reserve, we are sitting on 500 plus crore rupees. If all the metrics you look at, how much capital you put in and what value you create or what hard cash you create, that's what our mantra has been and hopefully we'll continue to do that or scale that further in the future as well and you briefly talked about 2007 being this year of inflection in one form or the other is it that the venture capital was mostly a requirement to popularize your devices to the enterprise customer and to scale up this adoption because at the end you need adoption yeah it was to scale up our consumer business because when we launched the map and navigator, these were portable navigation devices that could go in cars. And so it was a consumer business. And hence for consumers, we needed to do advertising and distribution. And so for that, we felt it's good to raise capital to, to scale. 
B2B business doesn't always require venture capital, right? It depends on your growth aspiration, how fast you want to grow. And it also depends on the profitability margins and cash flow structure of what you're selling. While, of course, B2B SaaS and all of these things, people raise capital. It's not necessarily. That's primarily Mapendia's business historically has been B2B, which is why all, but because we built a very big comprehensive product, which takes a lot of money, time and intellectual horsepower, that's one of the reasons also we had to raise money. But mostly we raised money in 2007 onwards for at that time for the consumer expansion. Right. And when do you say that this is an interesting thing that you mentioned from B2B and B2C? Obviously, I think for the first 10 odd years, probably a lot of the company's history was mostly B2B as an enterprise. And and today, probably B2C is catching up because obviously end user devices are going up and even software is built for consumers to you know subscribe to maps and get all of these things going on for themselves. So is there a point in time where you said that, look, the B2C market looks much bigger here for us now? And, and how has that structure evolved over the course of years? Our history is a bit complicated, but, but you're absolutely right. First 10, 12 years, purely first 10 years, pure B2B. 2004, mapmoney.com, the internet mapping portal got us in the B2C space as well. 2007, we launched these consumer-facing navigation devices. And so that was B2C. What happened at that time was car companies also came to us that, hey, can we build in your navigation systems into our cars? Because these are offering some pretty cool features and deeply integrated into the dashboard, we can offer more value. So that opened up our B2B2C business inside cars, which also proved to be fairly lucrative. And for a variety of reasons, include specifically Google Maps coming preloaded on mobile phones. We said that direct to consumer by 2011-12, we felt that's not a fight worth fighting in the face of this anti-competitive monopolistic activities of Google. It was not a fair fight. Uh, so we said, okay, we'll focus on B2B2C. It's growing well. We'll focus on B2B. It's growing and all the way through IPO, which happened just a year and a half ago, even now. Large majority of our business, 95% of our business comes from B2B and B2B2C. Now, just recently, with our Maples app and our Maples gadgets, which are consumer-facing, and the Maples app being a good alternative, I would say, argue, better alternative to Google Maps, and Maples gadgets being consumer-oriented gadgets, which you can put in your car or your two-wheeler, like trackers or dash cameras, or infotainment systems, or two-wheeler helmet kits. That's really our consumer play now, but which we think will have strong legs to it. It can also scale. So we will have our B2B business, we'll have our B2B2C business, and we'll have our B2C business. This time around, we are larger uh, and have the capacity, bandwidth, management-wise, capital-wise, to wage these battles separately so that overall the company can do quite well. So a little bit complicated, but hopefully it's a realistic picture for somebody running their own business. 
And, and how do you think the market is evolving today? Because do you think that today, by default, enterprises know that they need to use GIS and there is no, there's this level of saturation in that business as it comes? Or do you see that, oh, at the moment, there are pockets where convergence is starting to happen? For example, how do you see this at uh, this current times? It's actually quite exciting right now where enterprises, be it in the government, be it in the corporate world, be it automotive, be it new age companies or traditional businesses, I think they are slowly realizing how many use cases there are for digital maps, for geospatial information, for location-based software, for GPS or Navic-based IoT. As Mapedia, we've been evangelizing or continuously educating customers about new and new use cases that can help their business or their enterprise. And we're very happy to see that every year they're adopting more and more use cases. So the market is actually growing fairly fast and there's huge headroom for growth yeah, on the B2B and B2B2C side, what we call automotive and mobility tech and consumer tech and enterprise digital transformation using geospatial. So the downstream part is anyways super exciting and there's a lot of growth to be had still, I will say. And then, of course, the fun stuff that's happening on upstream is inspiring and exciting, and that can lead to a different make in India. And there are some areas that I see also very as very interesting, such as I was, for example, reviewing garments, watches, for example. And if you go into their high-end watches, either for hiking or long distance for a long time, then one of the complaints that you see, if you are an Indian user, for example, is that they say that the maps for India is, for example, not as good as the maps for US or Europe, where either the maps are outdated or they uh, or so on. So that may be also the fact because maybe because government doesn't see as many users buying their stuff in India versus in Europe and US to make that kind of investment in having a partner to give them updated stuff for that, for example. So are there areas like this as well, where, for example, as the you know, per capita GDP goes up in India, consumer devices also of high end become of interest. And then a whole new load of GIS related applications become also interesting. Yeah, I'll give you some examples on the consumer side and then I'll go back to enterprise side. Like a company like Apple, Apple Maps in India is completely powered by Mapma India. And so hence, if you're using Apple Watch or you're using Apple devices, the maps you'll find are fairly detailed. And, and if you, you're right about Garvin that maybe they, yeah, maybe it's a combination of them not uh, seeing the market enough or them not being able to make the full investment required. So there are flip sides. There are companies which are investing. There are companies which are not. Maybe they will in the future. And then if you look on the consumer side, a company like MapMedia's Maples app, you'll see like a 3D metaverse. You'll see 360 degree real view geospatially tagged photos and videos, detailed 3D maps. So the level of detail or the coolness and the usefulness goes up exponentially. A, because technology is here in India, we have it. The data is here, we have it. And then we also India-focused or hyper-local brand. Uh, so we're giving such services. And I'm sure over time, more and more customers like the automotive companies who work with us or Apple, as I said, or more will come on board to leverage this. And similarly, on the enterprise side, 
we have our own MGIS geospatial software, which can ingest uh, all sorts of vector data, raster data, satellite imagery, 3D point clouds, or geospatial road data, point data, etc., and provide visualization and querying on top of it. So people can put in all sorts of imagery. We, for example, partner with ISRO, where all of Bhuvan and all of Veda's smart stack, that data can be visualized through both the free Maples app, consumer-facing, or the enterprise MGIS platform. So that customers or users can play around with imagery and data and add their own data and do analysis and visualization accordingly in 2D or 3D. So I feel like India has all the technology capabilities that are required. The market, because it's a fast way market, huge investments in infrastructure, etc., are happening. Businesses are doing well and the domestic market is fairly large. I feel like a lot of customers are making the right investments in which is right for their business. And the others, like you said, maybe it'll happen after a few years, but inevitably they'll have to do that because otherwise somebody else will come and take their space. And how much of satellite imagery, for example, today you think is updated enough and you have a level of quality or even with respect to bands are of interest from your application standpoint, because I guess fairly people knowing locations of businesses, locations of destinations and maps is one level. But then today you have a whole lot of other things that are coming up with synthetic aperture radar, hyperspectral imagery, thermal imagery, and so many other quality of imagery that are coming out. Is this something of interest that you see will spark some interest to your customers, either in either B2B or B2C or even B2B2C? Yeah, see, a lot of my previous customers use us for geospatial analytics and location-driven insights. And so a lot of people use us for site selection, where should we put up a charging station or where should we open retail outlets or where they want to know things like where is construction happening, what where is solar potential, so in all of these MapReduce data set uh, of POIs, of traffic, of demographics, of addresses, all of that is useful. Plus other sorts of imagery, whether from satellite or drones, aerial, or from roads, this 360-degree roadside imagery that we call real view, all of those can play additional roles. And I do believe for a variety of reasons, India needs its own sovereign satellites, which can capture data and publish that for various use cases. Otherwise, what will happen, given that each satellite has a limited capacity, EO satellite I'm talking about, has a limited capacity, in general, and you also talked about this in your talk, in general, India gets a very small share of data captured, satellite data captured. Uh, and that is likely a historic, that's again, where the money was, is where the satellites will capture. And uh, I think disproportionately, India needs more EO data in the future. Yeah, more type multi-sensor satellites or many types of sensors on various satellites, I think is hopefully what we will see in the next few years. And that's why I'm also excited about the upstream piece for India. 
one of the interesting aspects of india is there could be thousands of companies that are downstream oriented because we have the talent we have you know the digital infrastructure today and a lot of the interesting applications possible one of the things that you look at from the ecosystem points point of view is i still don't see the reason why for example a country like india does not have a dedicated geospatial accelerator where you can have people who are coming up either from a device point of view either from an applications point of view either from people combining forces with actual people who have experiences from enterprises with technology to come together to be able to build more and more of these kinds of businesses it's it, if you look at a company like you know country like uk for example they have three or four very good geospatial accelerators have probably created more than 1500 companies out of them that have come through but some things that are there around it could also be interesting for a company like you who are now very mature to be able to drive such an initiative with other people where your existing infrastructure of maps and others could empower these kinds of companies to do more on top at the end do you see any potential there and anything that you foresee carry on yeah uh, in our own small way i think but increasingly larger way we are doing something in this and i'll tell you what our belief is geospatial can turbocharge or empower every digital solution so it's like ai in the sense that geospatial or location opens a whole new dimension of capability on any data or any solution or any application and so that's what our kind of pitch or our talk to every customer is how they can leverage location or geospatial whether software or location driven iot or digital data map data which is location driven data how they can leverage it for more use cases for themselves and what we are also doing is working very closely with the ecosystem of many companies whether large companies or small companies or startups or entrepreneurs technologists to really bring the full capabilities of a potential of maps and location to their domains so what i mean by that is we work for example with a drone company who is in the business of making drones to add geospatial components we work with a travel commerce consumer facing company to bring the power of maps there or an oil and gas verticalized saas company to leverage location or an iot company where we bring in the power of maps and and geospatial data to their iot devices and so we ourselves are investors or in fair bit of companies around 10 to 15 in that range and then of course we partner with a whole host of companies at a business to business level where we bring in some part they bring in some part joint solutions are made and then for everything that mapindia makes as a product company we platformize it or apiize it meaning there are hundreds of apis you can get from mapindia whether for our maps whether for our mgis whether for our iot whether even for the mapples app where you can build applications on top or integrate this mapping or location stuff into your own systems or applications so i think we're trying to take that ecosystem approach platform approach but that's us as a company and, and so we have very interesting folks reaching out to us and we engage with them because we could also be a customer for them or a business partner for them or a vendor for them 
besides being an investor. And then at the government level, what I like is what, what's been happening in the last two, three years, where this encouragement of private space and space startups, you know, giving them marketing exposure, giving them kind of handholding, which ISRO is playing a very supportive role. ISRO has always been great to us as Bapandia last seven, six, seven years, we have worked very closely with them. And they've just been a great support and great kind of organization to learn from. So I think government is also doing a lot of good things. I don't know whether they've called it a geospatial accelerator, but certainly space as a sector has gotten a lot of love uh, and hopefully it'll get more because it requires a lot more. And folks like you are really bringing out the importance of that and giving good suggestions to the powers that are yeah very hopeful for that. So where do you see the road ahead for you guys? There's a lot of new interesting technologies that you already mentioned, like AI and uh, metaverse and all of these other things that are coming ahead. If you had to look at what is going to happen 10 or 15 years ahead, and if you had to paint a picture of what that would look, what would you think, you know, where would we be? Yeah, on once on the upstream side, you know, for sure, I'm super excited about India's own Earth observation satellites going up. I have immense belief in the talent and capabilities of Indians. And one of the companies that I'm like closely backing is a startup called Canup Space, which is co-founded by an ex-ISRO scientist, 21 years there, which is making multi-sensors. So SAR plus optical plus hopefully other sensors, small sats, maybe in the 100-150 kg class. And hoping to put up a constellation up there so that there's like frequent coverage of India at a multi-sensor, multi-band level, which will, you know, which will be one source. And like them, hopefully there'll be others too. So that's on the upstream side. I believe that we'll have eyes in the sky. Similarly on drones, we'll have eyes in the sky doing many things, whether it's survey and mapping or surveillance and inspection or drone-based, you know, using the autonomous navigation guidance, doing some kind of delivery and logistics activities. I feel like vehicles will be driving safer, maybe in some coordinated ways through V2V, V2X. There'll be some levels of autonomy, and that is vehicles on free roads or on kind of controlled areas like in warehouses or inside campuses. And there's a lot of ADAS and autonomy tech that A, Mapandia is working on, the industry is working on. On the AI piece, we're doing a lot with computer vision at Mapandia or when it comes to location search or location analytics or traffic prediction. So I feel like a lot will happen there. On consumer experiences, definitely what we call it, we say it's the real verse. It's the four-dimensional digital map twin of the real world. And what this enables you to do is experience the real world sitting anywhere in full 3D, updating in near real time using IoT sensors and analytics. And uh, it'll give you a good sense of co-presence in remotely in a variety of like real world settings and then applications that can be built on top of that. And of course, kind of enterprises will have full kind of knowledge and awareness of kind of their scope of operations, their environment, their business operations, similar for digital government and governance. So yeah, in a 10 to 15 year period, a lot can happen. 
And uh, that's what's exciting for us as a company, that what role can we play in creating positive impact and cutting edge innovation through our products and platforms to move the needle in a positive way for the world. Thank you so much, uh, Rowan, for spending time with me in recording this. I'd love to keep in touch. Obviously, we'll probably meet each other in some conferences and be in touch. But I think it's a very exciting time to be in the private space sector, especially now that there's a lot of synergies that are happening between both the upstream and downstream. Yep, absolutely, Narayan. Looking forward to being in touch with you and keep up the good work you're doing. Thank you for listening in to this episode of the New Space India podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share this episode with anyone you believe will enjoy listening to it. You'll be able to find the New Space India podcast in any of the podcasting platforms that you may be using, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and others. Do subscribe to the podcast in case you want to receive new episodes automatically. I'm grateful if you're able to leave a rating for the podcast which will help others discover it. Thank you for listening in again, and the next episode will be out in the next two weeks as usual.